was good to catch up with England cricketer Kate Cross for our latest episode. And in that, we spoke about the professional cricketer's view of coronavirus, how she manages her mental health, not only in times such as these, but in normal circumstances. We reflected on the importance of perspective, understanding what we can and can't control, also um, keeping a routine. And we finished off by looking at the hopes for the future when cricket finally does return. Kate, thank you for joining me. No problem, thanks for having me. Now, um, we'll start off, I think we'll try and build this to get more positive as we go along. Um, But at this point, um, it'd be really interesting to hear a, a, a cricketer's perspective on coronavirus we've spoken a lot uh, to to recreational amateur players about it but I'd be really keen to hear how this is impacting someone who plays it for a living at the moment uh, yeah it's a bit of a strange one to be honest um I think my view of it would be a lot different to potentially um maybe a county male cricketer at this point because we're actually in time off um so we finished the world cup I think it was two and a half weeks ago now and we had um, a month of player leave, so we technically don't go back into Loughborough until 14th of April, uh, which is obviously still a couple of weeks away. So for us, I think it's not quite hit us just yet. Other than now, our gyms are shut. Um, we've not got the, you know, I've not got the option to go down to Old Trafford and do some bowling. Um, so I think, in, I think it, it's obviously a strange one, and it's strange for everyone. But I don't think it's quite hit the girls yet because. You know, we're not actually, we've not met back up and it's not like our training has finished. Um, I think maybe for like the, the likes of the Lanks lads, they have been training for however many weeks going into pre-season. They've had their pre-season four cancelled. Uh, they're now centrally not allowed to train together. So I think for other cricketers, it, it must be a lot stranger. Mm. Yeah, no, I hadn't thought of it in that way. So when would you, so you'd be would have been going back in just shy of a of a month or being if everything had been going normally um with the the prospect now of there being no cricket and we're talking not just weeks we're probably going into into months how has that affected the way that team planning's going because you can't pick a particular date that you're going to be playing a game on yeah um well, we are trying to think of our schedule now. So we start with a, a county T20 month, effectively, um, where you know we'd be based. At, I'd be based at Lancashire, and then we'd, we'd, although we'd still be training with England in that time, our, I think our first international series doesn't actually start till June. So you know, even now I'm thinking that's two, three months away, and in my head I've, I've kind of probably not got round the fact that that might not happen until someone definitely says that that tour has been cancelled or postponed whatever might whatever might come of it um but <laughs> I, i've probably got a few different layers to this situation at the minute because i'm still injured so i'm in a rehab program at the minute where i'm still i only just went out for a walk yesterday you know i'm still not able to run i'm not able to exercise fully so you know for me i've got it twice as hard because i've got to find different ways of managing my injury as well as trying to manage how I rehab that without the access to gyms, physios, etc. So, um, it, like you said, it is so difficult when we've not got a, a definite date at the end of it because 
you, you don't know what at the minute I don't know what I'm training for but I also don't know when I'm training for if that makes sense mm. yeah of course so the support that's available to help you recover from an injury is now going to be remote and your mechanisms to be able to do that are obviously quite restricted to what you you have available in your home and then in the surrounding areas we're told last night you can go out and run for one time a day and it's just trying to to build a schedule like like that now in terms of any rehab before I'm assuming most of that would be done in a central location where there's other people recovering so you'll be doing that on your own um what's available to try and still keep connected with people uh so well my rehab obviously comes through the ecb so i've got um our physio susan who i've i've pretty much been in contact with every single day um my, my issue is obviously she can't come down and see me and physically treat me i'm very very lucky in the fact that my sister's a physio so she's been helping me since i got back from australia um but uh, I think yeah, moving forward, I'm never going to take for granted the fact that you know you can just pop down to your local gym and use equipment there because you know I think you do you just you just kind of get yourself into a little bubble, don't you? Where you life is how life is, and you just you just kind of tot along and and do everything that you're supposed to do, and all your facilities are there for you. But then suddenly it gets taken away, and um, you've got to become quite um, what's the word? flexible I guess um you know finding different it's I'm actually quite kind of quite interested in finding different ways of, of doing certain things so I'm I um I'm moved back to my mum and dad's because they've got generally a bit more space than I have in my flat in, in Didsbury um and I've got my exercise bike here so I've been able to still keep you know try and keep fit but um yeah, it's, it's going to be the people now that are, are probably a bit more adaptable that are going to find this situation I don't think anyone's going to find this situation easy but you know, they might find the situation a little bit easier because they find ways to adapt to that situation. Mm, yeah. Now, yeah, of course, you've touched on a couple of things there which are are fortunate that you've got kind of a, an in-house physio, which isn't necessarily available <laughs> to everyone else. But in terms of how you're going about this, um, whether it be the recovery from the injury, but also just the dealing with the, the uncertainty... Um, it is hard to set goals when you don't know when they're going to be uh, can be achieved. But um, if if you're recover you're here recovering from injury and trying to break back into a team, how are you managing to to keep going? Thinking that there might be cricket in a few months, but the default is the the the, the people who are already in the team, and you're trying to break back into that. Is that an an added thing which is going on at the moment? Um, I think. Personally, I can't really think about that just yet because I've, I've kind of the injury that I've got. I've damaged the ligaments in my ankle. It's one of those that you know, there's no specific time frame for it. It might take me a month to recover. It might take me three weeks to recover. So I think for me, and it, maybe it's going to help me because it's going to break things down and it's not going to force me to look at the bigger picture. But I have to genuinely take it day by day. So the exercise I did yesterday is going to affect the exercise I do today, depending on how my ankle flares up or doesn't flare up. So I think in a way that is going to help me because I can't look too far ahead of myself. But I, I mean, this is generally me just thinking about things. But I imagine when this is all over and we, we meet up again, then the issue for us is going to be our workloads because we don't, you know, we've not got the capability to go out and bowl 10 overs a day or, um, you know, be able to keep our cricket workloads high. So 
as and when this finishes, I'll be interested to see how long the ECB or the ICC, whoever makes the decision, how long they'll give us to prepare for a series when it begins. And certainly for the lads playing Test match cricket, you know they can't just start going into five days of cricket when they've not, you know, they've not built the overs up or they've not been out batting, whatever it might be. Um, So I think that's going to be an interesting decision. But again, I think the people that are going to worry the most about this are going to worry about the uncontrollables. Um, and I think that's the same. It not, it's not necessarily in cricket either, but even in life, like people worrying about when their businesses might open again. You, I, I just don't think you can look too far into the future because you, you can physically only control what you do today. Um, you know, and that, ultimately that's your decision how, how you choose to approach that, I think. Mm. And that's the classic exercise of thinking, what's the list of things that you can control? What's the list of the things that you can't? And the the longer list is the ones that you can't. There's pretty much everything in the world's on there and a really small yeah. group of things that we can control. So in terms of a positive in like refining mindsets, this period now is something that's going to force everyone whether a pro cricketer a teacher a nurse whatever else to think right what can I control and what am I doing day to day that I have some stake in and some autonomy so you've mentioned there your rehab is something that is is staggered so that you're going to build that up each day um what else are you thinking of in in terms of just in general life about what fits in that category of what you can control and you have a little bit of influence over um, I think the big thing for me, obviously, I've moved back to mum and dad, like I said, so for me, that was a choice. Um, I live with a girl who works in the NHS, um, and that was quite, you know, she's one of my best friends, and it was quite a difficult choice to make, because I didn't want her to feel like, not that I was abandoning her, but, you know, I didn't want her to be coming home to an empty flat when she's probably working a, working really hard day to day to, to keep people alive. Um, but I think the big thing for me is that this has just put everything into perspective, um, you know, obviously my livelihood depends on how well I play cricket, but ultimately there's just bigger things going on at the minute, and cricket has pretty much been taken off everyone's agenda. So it's almost like we don't need to worry about that at the moment. There will probably be a time where we will have to start switching back on, and, and you know, like I said, thinking about your workloads. But for me, my obviously my rehab is key. But at the minute, I'm I'm trying to get back to running so that. I can run for my mental health, not so that I can run to get into a team in July or August, whenever the cricket season might start again, but it's more for me being able to, you know, go out and and let off steam. And we know exercising is a big thing that helps with mental health. So I I think me switching my mindset of of why I'm rehabbing and and what I'm doing it for is is key. And I think a lot of people are going to change their, or probably change their mentalities towards exercise in this time because it's it's pretty much the only thing that you can do that gives you a little bit of your freedom back you know by means of going outside so i i honestly think a lot more people might well take it up take running up take cycling up whatever it might be and i think it might just possibly change people's you know mindsets for the better in a way yeah i i think you're onto something there we would spend a lot of time saying to people that exercise is really important for your mental health and you can throw out any infographic or any scientific paper to show that, to prove it, but people need to do it themselves. Now, if going outside and running is one of the things, the few things that we're allowed to do at the moment, it doesn't have to be running, it can be walking, of course, but 
if people actually are doing that and seeing, even if it's not like the chemical element to it, just thinking that time outside was a break from looking at these four walls, then I think that through the adversity is something that can be really, really important with that. So it's interesting that from from your perspective, the running and keeping physically fit isn't just about your job. It's about looking after your mental health as well. And I remember recently I was speaking with players at, uh, I think, it, well, it was a few of the different county academies and was, were trying to say to them, yes, you're required to keep physically fit for your your, your cricket but also is there any exercise that you can do for yourself so it's great to hear that you say well actually the running's just is for me as much as it is for my, my bowling and my, my cricket what else forms part of um, of a routine for you in terms of helping stay mentally healthy um i it's a it's a really strange period for me if i'm completely honest because like i said this was my time off so up until yesterday, which was um, Monday, we were pretty much, the ECB hadn't contacted us, you know, the, that was complete player leave. And it wasn't until that mon- the Monday just gone that we were starting back on our programmes from the ECB. So, you know, we, we now start filling our monitoring in every day so they can uh, keep up to date with us and see what we've, we've done the, the day previous. And um, So now it, it almost feels like I am back at work as of this week because the last two weeks three weeks was kind of my, my holiday time. Um, so, I've got my coffee. <laughs> I don't know what I've just thought about. Um, I think... Oh, um, what else I'm doing? Yeah, that's um, it. So, now I think, I, I was, I was going to say that I've not really had structure to my days up until probably the start of this week. So, um, I, even this morning, I just like jotted some things down that I wanted to do today so you know make sure my my exercise was obviously in there I had this this um podcast to record so that that just having something to do I think was is, is quite important but I found that I mean there's, there's, in your own house there's loads of things to do if you if you look for them and you know I'm not saying that you have to go and you know sort your wardrobes out or clear the loft out whatever it might be but there is stuff to do it's just whether you're motivated to do it which I think has been the problem that I found it's getting the motivation to turn the TV off and do something different. Um, so I think if you can see see that as like an opportunity to maybe do something that you don't have time for or otherwise, you know, it's not often that I I've got maybe come around to mum and dad's for a Sunday dinner every two weeks or whatever it might be. But you know, it's given me the opportunity to go in the loft and see what jigsaws were up there. And um, I've actually found that I'm I'm a bit OCD with a jigsaw. If I start one, then I have to finish it that day. I can't go to, can't go to sleep with it unfinished. So, you know, I'm, I'm I'm even learning little things about myself that I probably otherwise wouldn't have known. Yeah, yeah. I'm certainly not going anywhere near a jigsaw for uh, <laughs> reasons of self control. It would end up going through the window. But um, it yeah, I think what we have is loads of loads of opportunities, and there may be the things that we've either put off because we don't want to do them, or just looked past because there's been so much of there's other things that we can do within that. And in the conversations that I've had over these last uh, few days with with people, I've I've always tried to to get them towards thinking about, um, and this is like hijacking conversations with people, it's not, didn't make you particularly popular, but I've ended up trying to say to, to people, well, what is there that we can do in terms of 
building uh, our, our resilience and, and looking after our mental health so that we have benefits that are there later. And I think there's a great opportunity to, to be more mindful and w- whichever route we take that through. Um, are you still doing the mindfulness colouring? No, um, funny enough, I'm not. My sister said that to me the other day that she'd just started colouring and I thought, I wish I'd brought my colouring book from my flat because it, it just gives me, obviously, something else to do that's not sat watching telly, like you said. And um, I think, like you said, it is an opportunity for me and probably for a lot of the cricketers. Um, this opportunity now is for me to spend time with my family, which... I think about the winter that I've just had and I maybe spent potentially three or four weeks in England and of those three and four weeks I wasn't you know, spending all that time with my mum and dad or with my brother and sister. So I think you know, for us it, it's actually been quite grateful that we've got an opportunity to do something that we, again, otherwise wouldn't have had the opportunity to do because we would have been playing cricket or travelling for cricket and training, whatever it might be. Um so I think, again, it's mindset, isn't it? It's how you look at it. You can, you know, obviously say, oh, it's going to be a nightmare that we've, we've got to stay indoors pretty much for three weeks. Or you can flip it on its head and say, well, it's a great three, it's a three-week holiday that I've got with my family. And, you know, it's, it's the equivalent of going somewhere and it rains every day and you can't go outside. You do have to stay inside and, you know, actually talk to your family and spend time and play games with them. Yeah. And I think coming on to to another aspect of this, that kind of mindset and that approach is so important, but there can be times where it's really difficult to get get into that. And perhaps when we've been talking here, we're able uh, at this time to be able to adopt that kind of mindset and be able to think more positively. But having had problems and difficulties with mental ill health, do you, do you think, and this has always been my view, that it's the experience of having had those lows and those difficulties that gain, that that makes you gain that perspective of being able yeah. to see the good. Is is that borne out in your experience as well? Yeah, I think so. And unfortunately, maybe for some people, um, well, we we know a lot of people have suffered suffered from some form of mental health in the past. But maybe this three weeks might be, you know, people's, you know, this might be their not I wouldn't want to say people have breakdowns or whatever, but you know, this three weeks could cause people to suffer with their mental health. So, um I think like you said, we in a way are we lucky that we've gone through something so we do have that perspective. You know, I, I don't know whether you can look at it that way, but um I do think for me personally, it's always been about recognising days where, you know, your mood might be a little bit lower or your motivation is a bit flat. Um and and you have plans in place for those days. Um, I think if it, maybe if we have this Skype conversation in three weeks' time, uh, maybe our motivation levels might be a bit lower because it's obviously going to take its toll on everyone. But um, I do think it's going to be an interesting one because the the thing that I've noticed most in the in the papers and um, you know even just the news reporters are talking about people's mental well being as well as their physical well being, but it's a, a lot of instant has immediately been put on the the mental well-being side of things and that's the kind of emails we've been receiving from the ECB have been you know how can you check in on your mental well-being so um I think people's I I do think that people's I mean it's it's probably inevitable isn't it that people's mental well-being will suffer in this in this time 
Um, but I think if people can have that ability to change their mindset, then it, you know, it could make it better. I feel like I've just rambled a lot there. And, um, probably I'm, I think I'm talking out loud because it's probably the first time that I've been, you know, really thinking about this as well. Um, but I, I, it, I, you know, I just, I, I am, I'm, I'm interested to see how this is going to affect people, and hopefully, it will, it will in a way, benefit people because they'll come out of it better people on the other side because they will see the importance of, or the value of, you know, what actually is important in life. Mm, yeah, I think that the the resilience aspect to it can be something that absolutely everyone, who's everyone's going to experience this. That's the that's the like the democratic nature of it, that everyone is subject to these conditions if you're not required to stay indoors all day it's because you're a key worker and you're going out and doing something that's going to be pretty stressful to keep the country going so everyone's going to have their those aspects of it and i just i'm thinking at this point that if we fast forward to however far in the future everyone will be able to look back and say that was really tough but i'm st- i'm still here and i got through it um yeah now in the middle of it like you're saying three weeks time when everyone's sort of like kicking the cat and getting frustrated <laughs> with it it's going to be it's going to be difficult to keep that perspective but at the at the outset of it setting out some some ideas and some ways of approaching it I think can be really valuable to people to say this is how I want to engage with it so I want to to cope with it whereas I'd certainly say going back however many years um in terms of my experience of my own mental ill health it a lot of the things happened without me understanding it I didn't have an idea about what was stressing me out what was contributing to it, what a trigger was so that when it came it's like I don't understand where it's come from I don't understand how to deal with it and then it gets even worse so if we do have some ability to say well I know what might lead to a bit of, of stress I know what might trigger it but I know how I want to respond to things then I think that can be can be really really useful now in in your experience Kate would 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 that sound familiar that when you had in, it had experiences of things not going well and your health being being at its its poorest mentally that it, it was the result of not having an understanding of how your mind was working or or what yeah absolutely and I don't I, I was very similar to you I, I, I kind of didn't have any trigger that had you know it wasn't like I lost a job I didn't um it wasn't like I you know lost my money or anything like that that caused a, a, a physical stressor on me um, and so for me, it was, I think, more the frustration that I had no reason to feel how I was feeling, um, which in a way, is, it's, it's quite upsetting in itself because you don't understand why you're, almost why you, your brain is not letting you down, but why it, it is, you know, signaling that way so that you do have those, um, like, depressed moods and things like that. Um, but I think for me, one of my like going into this three weeks and for people who might not necessarily have been through situations like that it it's almost knowing that it's completely normal that you're going to have days where you're not going to have motivation to do anything or you know even though you you can go outside the house once a day you might not feel like it um i think it's it's trying to be quite honest with yourself about so for me on the days where i know that i don't want to exercise or you know particularly don't want to eat well, I know that that's ultimately not going to help me. And it, it might then trigger another day of feeling lower or 
um, yeah, you know, more anxiety building up because I know I've not done the right thing. So I think it, it's being honest with yourself about how you're feeling, but then also being strict with yourself about what your routines are that help you in those times. Um, and that's sometimes the most difficult thing to do. But I think that's where you can almost help each other, especially in your own household. It's probably going to be more difficult for people that um, that live on their own. But having said that, we've got the we've got the you know the beauty of social media now and FaceTime and things like that, which, you know, coming back to when you think about people who were in the war, they wouldn't have had any way of communicating with the family. So we, we do have uh, an amazing, um, well, I guess, techno- technological ad- advantage in that sense. But I think it's trying to motivate each other and help each other. And, you know, if I maybe have a day where I don't want to go and exercise, my dad might pull me up and say, come on, let's at least just go and walk, dog, get outside, use the fresh air, that kind of thing. So... Um, I think, like I said, it's having those routines and knowing what what helps you. It it, it could be anything for anyone as well, couldn't it? For me, like cooking, I find quite stressful, but for someone else, that might be the equivalent of them going sitting on a bike for an hour. So um, I think it's just being quite honest with yourself and the people around you as well as to how you're feeling and, and, you know, what... There might not necessarily be a why why you're feeling how you are, but everyone's going to be in the same boat, so don't necessarily feel embarrassed that this is happening now because that, like the whole country well the whole world is in the same situation as you it's almost like it's a given that there's going to be these these challenges and these setbacks for people so some of the i think in society the stigma and i hate that word because when we say there's a stigma we're almost then going oh there is a stigma and we, and we kind of enforce it but that aspect um of of people maybe not wanting to talk about things because they, they perceive that being weak and, and, and whatever else. Now, because it's being it's being accepted that there is going to be a very uh, stressful, tense period, it's almost giving people the permission to say, well, yeah, of course you're going to have a problem. And actually, of course you'd share it because there's going to be someone else who's having that. And I think even just explaining that we feel anxious and we feel dif- we feel difficulties appearing already can make people think, oh, actually, yeah, you know, just reminded me that it doesn't make it perhaps any easier. It's not making the challenge any less hard, but knowing that other people are going through it at the same time just makes it feel less weird because, um, again, I'd be interested to hear if this is similar with your experience that I'd always found when I'd had the the worst periods in my my life is that it was very narrowly focused on me I'd think that the way I was feeling it was just like no one else in the world can feel like this and I must be messed up because I'm thinking this this and this uh, so it was very very suffocating thinking oh it's just me that experiences this when the beauty of speaking to people whether it's in our conversation now or, or more generally is you 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 verbalise something and someone goes oh yeah well, I felt a bit like that and then you just go oh hang on I'm not quite the yeah. weirdo that I thought I was. Yeah. I think for me it was um, I didn't want to feel like I was burdening anyone else with you know talking because especially in a situation like this where you know everyone is probably going to feel similar to you but you want to try and stay positive so I remember I didn't want to really tell people how I was feeling because I didn't want them to feel like I was dragging them down. Um, when actually that you end up just dragging yourself down further because you don't ask for help, which was something that I learned. You know, that's not the weak thing. Asking for help or talking to someone is not weak whatsoever. It is just sometimes just saying the words that are going on in your head help you to rationalise everything as well. Um, 
so yeah, I, com- yeah, I completely agree with you that you, you do feel isolated, but I think sometimes you isolate yourself more than necessary because you aren't, you know, willing to talk to people. Or um, uh, one of my, one of my little routines sometimes is just sitting down and having a cup of tea, and it's as simple as that. But it just gives me my time. If I'm maybe sat with my dad, we'll sit and have a conversation. But you know, it's just that time where you know it's your ten minutes of the day that is not taken up by social media or um, you know by the TV or the news or anything like that. Um, but I've also found I don't know about you, Mark, but I've found that watching the news is actually is not helping me. Um, obviously, getting the the uh, Boris Johnson when he comes and does his um, press release is necessary because you need the information that he gives. But all the other news I've just found to be so so negative and almost I know it's a a pandemic that we're in, but it kind of catastrophizes everything even more so, um, which I don't think is going to help a single soul out there because it, it then forces people to look too far into the future when actually, like we said earlier, all you can control is today and what you do on that day. You know, tomorrow this whole thing might go away. We don't know. You know, it might take a year. It might take four weeks. We, we just absolutely no idea. So there's, I, for me, I don't think there's too much point in looking that far into the future. Like you, you almost just want to look at, you know, even break it down and look at the next hour of the day and, and, and kind of do it that way and, and try not to, um, I don't know, try and catastrophize things in your own head. Yeah, exactly. And I think the the stuff that probably people's mums and grands and whoever said to us that we now don't listen to, like you take each day as it comes, is never been truer. And yeah, you can get sucked into looking at the news and, and it's it's I'm sure some of it's well-meaning saying, oh, this is a prediction of what might happen and if we don't do this and so on. Now, for me, someone who's prone to being anxious, that's that's not a good mix. Boris Johnson and the and the government, uh, in terms of this routine of saying each day there's going to be a statement about where we are, that's that's helpful. That's something in terms of you well being is going right. Well, I know that's coming up. That will give me everything I need to know. And yesterday I listened to the uh, this the statement and made a little note for myself of now what I can and what I can't do. And in some ways felt. In actually not in some ways, in every way felt better because I thought, right, well, there's quite a prescriptive list of what I, what I can and can't do. And anyone coming on the news afterwards talking about, oh, this could go on until the year, whatever, and this could happen and there'll be no more of this, I've just actually not got an interest in because that's something which is just multiplying and multiplying in my head if I do engage with it. And then social media is uh, is brilliant, but and everyone gets dragged into it everyone wants to have a view and an opinion and I'm happy to hear what Chris Whitty's got to say but I'm not so interested in what someone I went to school with who um, got an E in GCSE science uh, which, which, which I did as well by the way so I'm not slagging anyone off um, what they've got to, to say about it because it's just conjecture but it, it adds to a lot of this noise that's going on and yeah I think being selective about what we engage with but then in, within social media, what a, what a brilliant tool it is for people sharing things about little workout routines or articles or things that they could do. So we've got to find a way of kind of filtering through that. Now, that actually brings me to a question that I've, I, I was thinking about asking. So I'm glad I've reminded my, myself. Um, <laughs> in, in terms of social media, this at this time, absolutely. But, but in general, um, 
been always been trying to ask this of of pro players recently about where the line is because of course it's great fun it's a really good way of connecting with with fans but also it's this open forum where people can say what they like so what's your attitude towards it um i quite like it and i'm quite active on a lot of it um i I think again going i can only really give a perspective of the female side of the game but maybe five six years ago we were really encouraged to use social media because there wasn't many other ways that people were hearing about women's sport. So I know that has changed a lot now, and we're obviously a lot more in the media and you know Sky Sports and the BBC and the likes of, of those companies are helping us. Um, but I think I've, from a, a, a like a personal point of view as a sports fan myself, I love social media when I can see what athletes are really like. You know, I hate a post-match interview where the real cliche answers are given and you know, you you hear about the game, but I love, I, I think that's what I've, I've enjoyed about social media so much in, in this situation that we're in, is that you're seeing people's personalities now coming out, like, I don't know if you saw the Oxford Chamberlain video with um, Perry from uh, from Little Mix, and they did that video where they were dancing up the stairs, and yeah. that, you know, that's the kind of stuff that I think, as a, not necessarily as a sports person, but if you are maybe, um, more of a celebrity I think that's the kind of stuff that you should be using your social media for because that's what actually people want to see um, and I, I think that's again you know that like we, we do have this opportunity now where your personality is probably going to come out more on social media because you're not doing your sport you're not involved but like I'm you know I'm not giving interviews with the ECB or things like that so now my social media is just me living my life the same as everyone else's um, and you know, trying to deal with this situation the same as everyone else is. So, um, I think we're also lucky in, in the female side of it that we there's not too much criticism of the actual. Well, I say that there is criticism of our sport, but um, you know, it's it's not too personal. Uh, we we're not hounded as much as the men in terms of you know they're obviously. More, they've got more millions of people watching their game, so they a lot more people have an opinion on them. But we're we're not quite there yet. Um, the only thing that really does wind me up on social media is when people talk about, you know, they they always if the BBC say put something up about our uh, World Cup that's just happened, and someone replies saying no one cares about this. Why why are you writing about this? And it just that's the kind of stuff that winds me up when people are you know so far behind on the, the women's sport and um, you know the fact that it is moving forward and it, it is actually a, you know, a viable sponsorship route for a lot of people now because it's growing so quickly but I just always think to myself why would you possibly limit anyone's opportunity to play sport whether they're male or female why would you even say a, just a, such a, a comment like that on social media that you know people do read I read them I go whatever reason I do you know read them and and take them in but I just think if that was your daughter playing cricket or rugby or whatever it might be would you possibly take her opportunity away to play that sport so that's the side of it that I really dislike um again I feel like I've just completely rambled and had a bit of a rant there but um you know that's the side of it that just is such a shame I think on social media that there's still people out there that that have those kind of views yeah and it, it it's a bit it's a bit a bit odd, really, that people 
feel that of all the things they could say and they could use their account to talk about, they would be negative about something which if they don't want to engage with it, they just don't have to. They're going out of their way exactly, to be rude. Yeah. yeah, and I hadn't thought of it from that from the perspective that you've said there about actually it perhaps isn't it isn't just about, say, the, the, the women's T twenty World Cup. It's there something that a young girl can see and go, oh, I fancy doing that. And then they go and go to their local club and they start playing. And it's not all about the people who are playing internationally who are doing it for a living. It's really sport. The, the vast majority of participants are people who are doing it for a bit of fun at a weekend or an evening. So, yeah, by by discrediting or trying to diminish female sport or any sport for that matter when people start having to go at other sports and go oh it's rubbish because they do this you go well what about the people who, who everyone needs a hobby and everyone needs something to, to switch off and maybe in these times we we might get a, I was going to say we might be a bit kinder but there's always going to be that residual group of people who are just any situation will, will try to find the, the negative in it and it is something where I suppose and I guess you you've you've been forced to have to to re, to react with it. it you kind of look at that and, and more than anything maybe feel sorry for the the people who are trolls or whatever we call them because if you can't see the joy in something and you're resorting to just criticizing other people then you know what well, that's really sad actually and you'd kind of want to think well you know what is it that's making people people behave like that yeah and i think i've um... I wouldn't say I've taken it upon myself recently, but if I've had those conversations or seen those comments on Twitter or Instagram, I've, I've almost made a bit of an effort to talk to that person to give my opinion as well, because I, I don't see why, just because, you know, I'm, I'm contracted by the ECB, why I'm, I do have the right to an opinion and I've got the right to talk back to someone who maybe says something that's not necessarily nice to me. Um, so I'm, I'm, I think I'm, in a way, trying to engage a little bit more with it, whether that's right or wrong, I don't know. But, um, you know, it just it also gives me the opportunity to defend something that I'm quite passionate about. And I, I had a bit of an exchange with a bloke while we were in Australia on Twitter. And um, I, I can't remember exactly what he said, but I went down the line pretty much what you touched on there. Like, I'm not a massive fan of Formula One. I don't watch it. I don't follow people on Twitter or Instagram that are involved in that and I certainly don't message them saying that it's a waste of time what they do because I know a lot of people have dedicated a lot of their time to you know be the best at something in the world or to get better at something or you know whatever it might be but I have nothing in my personality that makes me want to you know troll that person or say that something that they are doing is negative because it's their passion my passion is something completely different to that so that was my argument that I got back to this bloke. You know, why message me? Why go out of your way to find time to send me something that's negative that, that then when I come back to you about, then you're almost quite apologetic about it. I think that's the, the thing that social media, there's, there's no um, there's no accountability, is there? So people can say things and it's almost like a throwaway comment and think, oh, Wayne Rooney's never going to read that or, you know, Andrew Flintoff's never going to read that. But they, they do. And then suddenly there's, you know, your comment has a, a knock-on effect. And I, I think social media and people that do troll don't quite realise that. And, well, they should start realising it a lot more now because it's, it's probably a bit more in the news. But, um, you know, I think that's it's just being more careful and more mindful about how you approach things and how you speak to people because 
when someone dedicates a lot of time to something, then it, it means something to them. So don't take that away from them. Mm. Yeah, I couldn't agree with that more. Um, just to finish, then, uh, like we've said, we've we're we're not going to get into how long this delay in cricket is going to be. But whenever it does start again, what's your hopes for the future? And by that, I I mean personally, but also for the sport in general about how we're going to come through this really challenging time. Well, I think one of my hopes is that this kind of goes away somewhere during the summer and it, it still gives us an opportunity to play our sport because, you know, everyone, I'm very lucky I get to play during the winter, but I know a lot of people who play club cricket or recreational cricket, whatever it might be, that they wait all winter for the summer to come around and then it finally does and they get to play cricket. But that opportunity has obviously been taken away from a lot of people. Um, so... I'm, I'm kind of hoping that if we do get the opportunity this summer that we still get a form of the season in, you know, whatever that might be. Um, but I think, in a way, if that does happen, it's obviously all speculation at this point, but it, it could be a great opportunity for our sport because people will look for a summer sport then. And, you know, cricket's probably going to be one of the first ones that people look at. So it might encourage more kids to go out in the garden. Even this time now where we've, you know, you've got your siblings and, you've got a cricket bat, maybe people are going to be playing a lot of cricket in the back garden because that's where, you know, for me and for a lot of the girls, that's where it all started with your brother or your sister teaching you how to bowl or bat. Um, so it, it could be a great opportunity for the sport. Um, we've obviously got the Men's Week T20 World Cup in September, which I don't think they've, they've talked about just yet because it's too far down the line. So I'm not sure they're going to talk about the, you know, postponing that or anything. And, and on the flip side, the girls have got, we've got our 50 over World Cup in, February in New Zealand so there's still a lot to look forward to and I imagine once we do get started again it'll almost just kind of click back into place um, and I think maybe in two or three years time or however long this takes to go away we'll probably talk about you know how strange it was that we had that season that was delayed or we missed that season because of the coronavirus Um so I, I do, I genuinely do think that there's enough in place for us to just, you know, kind of fall back into our season or fall back into training or whatever it might be. And, and we're probably very lucky in that sense. Um, certainly I am as a as a professional cricketer because I, you know, I, I know that I can go back to it when when it when it this virus does go away. Yeah. All right. That's a great place to end on Kate thanks for your time keep up uh, the the rehab as best you can and when we do get cricket we'll look forward to seeing you again then thanks very much Mark